listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now let's listen in. You know, when you read a verse where Jesus very clearly says that it's the enemy that came to steal, kill, and destroy, and he came to give abundant life. Let me see, the hurricane, did it give abundant life, or did it come to steal, kill, and destroy? Which which one of those? And when you think about Jesus, how he reacted to storms while he was here on planet Earth, and you know, one time he slept through it, <laughs> he was in a boat, and they had to wake him up. Another time he was walking across the water while it was storming. Another time he rebuked it, and it came calm. And uh, so it didn't seem to me like you know it was something that he was doing, or he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have rebuked it. And uh, speaking of that, I don't hear where there's another one stirring up out there. Um, starts with a noun, Maria, Maria. And uh, right now they say it's headed toward the islands. They're expecting it to turn before it actually gets to us. But well, let's just take a minute and pray. And I I think you know the scripture says that. Um, you know, as he is, so are we. And if Jesus could rebuke the storms, I think he gives us the right to do that. So let's just, uh, let's agree together and just speak against the last thing those islands down there needs another storm to come through. So, Father, we just, in, in Jesus' name, we agree together as your body and we just, we speak to this storm, Maria, and we tell her to go out to sea, to turn in the name of Jesus. We just rebuke it and we tell it to go away from the islands, from people. And just go out there and have fun in the ocean and leave everybody alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be here. Good to see you guys. Um, uh, Glad y'all all weathered the storm and made it. Some without electricity for longer than others, but um, it's really hard to complain when you don't have electricity when other people don't have a house. (laughs) So... um, and I, you know, there was good stuff that came out of it. You think of all the people that got to, you know, hang out with their neighbors and hang out with their family and they couldn't watch TV and they had to talk to each other. And, you know, you know, I mean, just imagine that, you know, <laughs> and that's uh, horrible. And, uh, but anyway, um, I'm going to share tonight, uh, well, about a number of things actually, but let's, I want to start with asking a question. Simple, no catch to this, so you can answer it. How many, how many years did Jesus spend on earth in human form, actually teaching and, and discipling his disciples. How many years, approximately? Three years. Everybody agree with that? Good. Y'all get an A for that. We can go home. <laughs> Just kidding, John. Um, it, it, if that's and that's obviously that's true. That's a true statement. And Jesus was basically most people think around thirty-three when he was crucified and resurrected. It was about thirty when he started. His public ministry. And so when you look at it from that perspective, Jesus, was, he did die, he was crucified, he was resurrected, and he comes back and he spends some time you know, being seen and spends some time with his disciples, his followers that were following him. And at the very one of the last things he did to them, did with them is he's sitting there sharing with them as he shares some things, okay, and he talks to them. And the question I'm getting to in a roundabout way is this. Jesus being who he is, rabbi, teacher, the Christ, he spent time discipling these guys that are following him. How much emphasis do you think should be put on like the last thing he said? Do you think that's probably important? 
I mean, if he, you know, it's like he knows he's fixing to leave, he's fixing to ascend into heaven. It's probably pretty important. Would, I mean, would you agree that, that he, there's probably some emphasis on this, on one of the last things he says to them? Right? Everybody with me? You're, you're tracking. All right. What, what was that? Does anybody know? <laughs> That's one of the last things he said to Peter was to feed his sheep. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. What's that say? Come on, you, you, you Baptists have that memorized. What was it, Pete? Going to all the oral. See, he can't cheat. It, guys. <laughs> Man, y'all are, yeah, there you go. Now what is it say? <laughs> wow. <laughs> What a what a smart group we got here. <laughs> uh, um, well, yep. Guess what? That's what it says. And the the interesting thing is, is a lot of people put the emphasis on go. In reality, in the in the original language, the command and the imperative command isn't on going. The command is on making disciples. And it's it's more literally translated as as you go in your going, make disciples. And teach them and train them to, to do the things that, that I've commanded you. So, to, to me, that should, the fact that that's like, that's like before he ascends into heaven, before he leaves, he's telling these guys that have committed their lives to following him, he's, he's, he's telling them, guys, I poured my life into you. Now, this is what I want you to do. Do the same thing. What you saw me do, you do. And that's, that's the same call that he's given to us. And that's the same, that's the same command that he's given to us. And so, as I'm thinking of this, it's like, when you think of the word disciple, he's told these disciples, what, I'm just going to ask you guys some questions tonight because y'all are so smart. Don't put it up there yet. <laughs> what is a disciple? The simple, and the simplest, what is it, Steve? A follower of Jesus. A disciple is a, is basically is a follower. It's a follower of Christ. And so if he's told us to go and make disciples, basically what he's given us to do is to do what he's done, is to go and teach and train and disciple people to be followers of him. So we, we show to them this is what it looks like. This is what a follower of Jesus does. This is how the follower of Jesus responds in crisis. This is how a follower of Jesus responds when things don't go their way. This is how a follower of Jesus acts and does things. And 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 I'm going to show you how it's done so you can come along and do the same thing. That's what it means to make disciples. In the West, which is where we live, we live in the Western culture, in the West over the last... Uh, actually, probably several centuries. We we've and to some degree we've we've twisted what it means to be a disciple, and what it means to make disciples. We have we have we have put more emphasis on on learning, more emphasis on on being a student than being a disciple. There's a difference. You see, you can be a student and learn a bunch, and still not be a follower. I mean, you can, you can know a bunch up here. You can, you can, you can learn the scriptures. You can, you can know the Bible. In fact, as Jesus said, 
the, the devil knows or believes or knows and but doesn't know doesn't know does that make sense he understands the word he can quote the word the fact is the temptation of Jesus when he took when he was out in the wilderness the devil came and he quoted scripture to Jesus he knows he knows the bible so we can we can be students and still not be followers and still not be disciples to me to me one of the best things that a good example to me of discipleship is this our son, when our oldest son, when he got out of high school, he decided he wanted to become an electrician. Okay. To become an electrician, he basically took him five years of going to work every day for 40 hours a week, and then every evening went to school, went to classes. So in classes, he did what? He learned. At night, he was learning. During the day, he did what? He practiced. He put the tools to work. In fact, is of mo- the way it is most of the time. <laughs> what he lo- what he was actually doing didn't always match up with what he was learning. If you've been in the trades, you'll know that's the truth in a lot of areas. You learn a lot of stuff, but it really doesn't have anything to do with what you're actually supposed to do. So he he was doing both, and to me, that's a good example of becoming a disciple and discipling. That you, yeah, there is learning involved. Absolutely, there's teaching, there's training, there's there's study. It, I mean, the scripture tells us to study. All that's part of it, but then there's the actual doing of it, and, and being with somebody that's the master. Being with somebody that knows how to do it and learning and then you doing it. That's what it means to be a disciple and to train and to make disciples. There's a, something I want to quote to you. Put that up there by Reggie McNeil, if you would. There's a quote. It says this. We must change our ideas of what it means to develop a disciple, shifting the emphasis from studying Jesus and all things spiritual in an environment protected from the world to following Jesus into the world to join him in his redemptive mission. I want to read that again. This would be a good time if you had phones to take a picture of that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great statement. We must change our idea of what it means to develop a disciple, shifting the emphasis from just strictly studying Jesus and all things spiritual in an environment that's protected... <laughs> Basically come in and get her and be protected from the world to following Jesus into the world to joining him in his redemptive mission. Isn't that a powerful statement? I should have left Reggie's name off of there and put mine. I think somehow and, I, and I, it takes God, obviously. You know, it takes the Spirit of the Lord working in our hearts. Um but somehow that 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 has to become a priority to us, an emphasis to us, to to do what he said. That is that doesn't mean you know that we got to worry about him beating us up or anything because we didn't do whatever. But it, it to, remember the story about the guy that built his house on the rock was the one that did what that went and did what he said. The one that just heard it, and memorized it, and learned it was they built theirs on the sand. And well, we saw a bunch of pictures of that this week. That we? ones that were built on the sand didn't last real long. Yeah. I just I, I don't know. It's like we just we we need to just be praying. In fact, it's one of the songs we sang tonight. It was talking about how you know we were asking the Lord to you know to just to put us to send us to those that don't know you, you know, to to put us in front of them to give us. 
to give us hearts for them, for that to be something that stirs in us, to, for us to, for that to be something, again, we're not doing just because it's something he commanded to do, but we're doing it because that's a, there's a, there's something churning in us that, that wants us to, to love on people. You know, there's a big, there's a kind of a new buzzword that's been around the church for the last 15 or 20 years, maybe a little longer. And so it's a word called missional. And you know, there's books and teachings and conferences about what it means to be missional. And basically, bottom line, being missional is just, is, is just loving on people. <laughs> it's just loving on people with the love of Jesus. It's just, it's just sometimes, sometimes it's as simple as just giving somebody a smile. Sometimes it's as simple as just being friendly. Sometimes it's as simple as just being nice, <laughs> being kind to somebody. This past week, I think it was the, I think it was Monday, maybe it was Tuesday. I had stopped and, and, uh, actually it was, I take that back. It was actually before the hurricane came through. It was like the day before I did like everybody else did. And I took all my propane bottles up to the store to get replacements. And I stopped at this one convenience store. This one lady was the only lady in the store. She was swamped, and she she had a maid. I mean, you could just tell she was not happy. I mean, she was she just wasn't happy, and she was frowning and and had was just snappy to people in front of her. And I got to her, and she was snappy to me. And and you know, I had a decision. I could have responded back in like kind, and just been snooty back at her and snappy back, or I could be nice. This one time, believe it or not, I chose to be nice. <laughs> I know God's working. He can teach an old dog new tricks. And, you know, it was incredible. She she literally, she, she had to come out and open up the cage, and she was the only one there, so she had to tell other people she had to wait. And I'd waited for her, and I came back in, and she saw me. So she just told the next people in line, I got to go open that. You just have to wait. And she walked outside, and again, she was real, you know, just, you could, she just wasn't happy. I mean, I don't, I don't blame her. You know, she was the only one there. And I just, I just started being nice to her. I just was friendly and just struck up a conversation with her. And I mean, it was like a night and day difference. She immediately responded back the way I was responding. She was just, I mean, she, a smile came on her face and she was just as friendly and nice back. And, and we just talked and she said, yeah, she said, I know those people don't like it, but you know, this is, I, you were here first. And I, and, and we just, we just had just a good conversation and, and you could tell her whole spirit changed because I was just friendly to her. And sometimes, and sometimes that's just all you got to do. <laughs> It's just love on somebody and just be kind to them. And obviously we want to do more than that. We don't want to just, you, you can't, at some point you got to point people to Christ, okay? And you take those opportunities. But, you know, when, when being missional or this idea of being on mission is being basically is, is this, of sharing, it's, the, it's this idea of sharing the love of Jesus with somebody. In fact, one of the things we've talked about over the last few weeks when we were here was this whole statement that when Jesus was asked, what's, what's the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? To do what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Y'all not reading it, are you? Look at there. With all your, <laughs> y'all know that one. Love the Lord your God with all your, <coughs> and your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this incredible statement that all the law is fulfilled in doing that. 
And another time he's asked this question. This was this is really a good one. We're not going to take time to go there and read it. But another time, one again, one of the lawyers is trying to trip him up, and Jesus has talked about this loving your neighbor. And so the guy asking him, he says, "Well, well, who's my neighbor?" And Jesus gives this story about who the neighbor is. Remember this. Remember the story about the Samaritan. And these, these hoodlums come along and they beat him up and they rob him and they steal from him and they strip his clothes off of him and he's laid out on the sidewalk and, and this priest comes by and the priest sees him. And what's the priest do? I mean, what should a priest do? You'd think a priest would be set an example and go there. What's the priest do? He goes over and walks around the other side and acts like he doesn't even see the person. <laughs> you never done that, have you? And then, and then a Levite comes by who also ought to be able to do, ought to be kind of the nice guy. He's a Levite. He comes by and what's he do? Same thing. And then who comes by? This Samaritan. Now the Samaritans in the Jewish eye, and that's who Jesus is talking to, are the Jewish rabbis and leaders. They're like lower than scum. Okay? I mean, they are, they are down on the totem pole. And this Samaritan comes by, and Jesus says, this Samaritan does what? Y'all remember the story? Samaritan does what? He goes over there and, and picks him up and takes care of him and bandages him and takes him and takes him where? What's he do with him? He, he takes him to the bed and breakfast, <laughs> puts him up for a couple of days and takes care of him. And then Jesus asks this question. He says, who is the neighbor? And you know what they answered? The Samaritan, the guy that took care of him. So Jesus basically is saying this, your neighbor is the what? Think, think, think what's happening there. Jesus is basically changes the idea of neighbor from proximity. In other words, we think of neighbor as the person who lives next door to us. Jesus changed that from proximity to what? Your neighbor is what? Anybody that you pass by that needs help. That's your neighbor. Anybody. It doesn't matter what color they are. It doesn't matter what economic situation they find themselves in. If they're in need, they're our neighbor, and we're supposed to do what with our neighbor? Love them. Now, that's what it means to be missional. When you hear us talking and you hear us using the terms being missional, it's, it's, it's this, it's this, it's loving somebody. And I, I think as we think about being missional, let me, let me put it to you this way. Go, let's go back. Let's tie this back into this whole idea of discipleship. Jesus discipled these, basically, how many people? Who, who was his main core? Twelve. Now, we know even in that twelve, there was three that were probably a little tighter-knit group. And then there was, from Acts, we know there was at least 120 others that, that showed up in the upper room. So, you know, he had a broader influence. But basically, he was pouring his life into a group of what? Twelve. Now, I think that's intentional. And if you read in the book of Acts where Jesus has left and the Holy Spirit has come and the church is beginning to grow and people are getting saved and people are getting healed, delivered, set free, and all that's happening, you'll see over and over and over and over in the book of Acts it says this, they met in the temple and they met how? House to house. Y'all didn't know y'all were going to get so many, ask so many questions as I did. They met in the temple and they met house to house. Now I think that was intentional. 
There's a reason why they met house to house. You know why? Because it's a smaller group. You see, the best way, and in, 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 in my opinion, and, and I believe in what the Scripture teaches, the best area, or the best platform, or the best way for discipleship is in a small group. Why? You get to know each other better. It's a smaller group to where you can ask questions, you can talk, you can, everybody, you know, there's scripture where it talks about everybody has a psalm and a hymn and a, you know, in a group of 50 people or 100 people, even that, even that small of a group, everybody can't just step up and speak and say whatever they want to say. And a smaller group, a group of 8, 10, 12 people, it's a great time to be able to ask questions, to, to, to relate to one another, to care for one another, to get to know each other. All those, all those Bible verses that say something about one another. <laughs> you read those? All those Bible verses that say like love one another, serve one another, admonish one another. We don't like that one. Care for one another. Forgive one another. <laughs> All those, you know where they're best done and best learned how? In a small group. I guess where this is leading. <laughs> We're going to be talking about small groups. Man, y'all are so sharp. It's just amazing. <laughs> One of the best ways to be missional. In fact, is how did, think of it this way. How did Jesus, when he, when he gathered the 70 together, how did he send them out? One by one? Two by two. Why? Because it works better. <laughs> it's, it's, you have a certain strength that comes from that. You, two of you can hear better than one of you. When there's two of you and you're praying for somebody, both of you can be listening to God. Two of you can, can, it's just, there's strength in it. Same thing in a small group. There's, 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 there's strength in that. And there's, it's just a, it's just a great place to learn, to learn. It's, it's a great place to be discipled. It's a great place to disciple others. It's a great place to ask questions for you to, for you to dig in deeper into the Word. It's a great place for you to go out together as a team and do missional things. Right? You tracking? You with me? <laughs> See, for us, One of the things that Kathy and I felt very strongly while we were away, the Lord kept telling us was this, to take serious His command to make disciples. I, I want us to be known. I want the Vineyard Church, this local Vineyard Church, to be known as a church that makes disciples. And the, to me, and I think to God, and I think according to Scripture, the best place for that to happen isn't in this setting, but it's in a smaller setting of eight, six, eight, ten, twelve people. Because of that, we're starting <laughs> what we are going to call hub groups, H-U-B, hub missional groups. A hub group is this. It should be up there on the screen. A hub group is a small team of people that are what? Connected together that meet how often? 
weekly for the purpose of following God's mission on the earth. It's a team of folks that take serious God's command to love and to make disciples. Okay, Now, I know any of you that have been around for any length of time will say, I've been in a small group, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. We've all done that. Okay. What we're wanting these groups to be, because there are all kinds of different groups. There's Bible study groups. There's prayer groups. There's just support groups or social groups. There's groups that their main purpose is just to build relationship. And all those things are good. All those things are important. I'm not saying they're not. But we want these groups, what we're calling hub missional groups, we want the focus or the primary focus to be on being missional. On being on following his command of making disciples. On being on learning how to love on people. On being on how to hear God, how to pray for somebody. Being on how to have a word for somebody or have a prophet or pray for somebody that's sick and see them get healed. We want to take serious those commands that Jesus has given us in his word. And to us, the best place to do that is in what we call a group, a hub group. Now what's a hub group? What's it going to look like? Bottom line is this. Let's just take, I'm going to just give you an example, okay? On any given month that has four weeks in it. Most months have how many weeks? Four weeks. Any, right, Tom? Any, any, you went to Inglewood, right? That many? <laughs> let's just say, here's what, let's say this hub group meets on Thursday night. One week out of the month, let's say the first week of the month, this hub group meets together and there's eight of us or ten or twelve, and we come together and we're going to do several different things. We may watch a video, we may just follow up on something that was taught on Sunday, we may spend some time studying the Word together. During that time, we can pray for each other. We're going to do during that time some things that we call activations, where we learn how to hear words from God. We learn how to pray for each other. We learn how to prophesy to one another. We learn how to pray for the sick. We're going to learn how to do those things in that smaller setting, practicing together with a bunch of people that love you. (laughs) Amen? So if you're in that setting of eight people or ten people, and you say something that just sounds weird (laughs) nobody's going to laugh at you or make fun of you we're going to love you and we're going to learn how to do it better does everybody understand this is it's a learning process see learning how to pray for somebody is a the more you do it the better you get at it the more you hear god the better you practice it at getting words for people the better you get at it and so these small group settings of people that love you we're going to learn how to do that together in those small groups. So, in that, see that first that first Thursday night, we're going to do those kind of things, and we're going to we're going to learn together. We're going to learn, and the emphasis is going to be on learning how to be missional, learning how to make disciples, learning how to go and love people. The next week, the next Thursday night, that meeting will be just a dinner. We're going to hang out together. We're going to have fun together. We're going to maybe we're going to barbecue or we're going to have pizza or we're going to have tacos or we're going to do whatever. And that's just going to be a fun night. And guess what? It'd be a great time to just invite a friend to come to that group and just hang out and eat together and have some fun together. Maybe we play games together. That's one week out of the month we do that. The next week, we're going to go back and do basically what we did the first week. Similar type of thing. Study together. Learn together. Practice with each other. Do those kind of things. The last week or the fourth week, we're going to do something cool. We're going to actually go put into practice what we've been learning. Imagine that. 
Jesus spent that time teaching those disciples. And you know what he did? He actually sent them out to do it. <laughs> and so we're going to go out and we're going to do something missional. We're going to go find somebody that we can love on. And, and, and there's, there's 50 different ways we can do that. It may be some widow that just needs somebody to come over and mow her yard and, and cut her you know, rake her leaves and just love on her, maybe paint a room for her. It may be a single mom with kids that needs somebody to do the same type of thing. It may be just going to Walmart and walking around looking for somebody to pray for or to go to the mall and do that. It, it, it can be any number of different ways of reaching out, but the purpose of that week is to go out and be missional. Go out and love on folks. Actually, actually do what he said to do. <laughs> Isn't that a novel idea? We're going to go out and do that together and learn and go out. Emphasis how? Say it out loud. Emphasis how? We're going to do it together. So maybe in your group of eight or ten people, there's three or four that feel a little more confident, a little more able how to do that. And maybe this is the first time you've ever done it and it's a little spooky or a little scary. Well, you just go with somebody that's a little, has a little more practice at it. And you go out and you come back and you share. Man, this is what happened. And, and you're going to have some stories where something incredible happened. You're going to have some stories where people just looked at you like you were nuts. You're going to have some stories where people wouldn't let you pray for them. But I, listen, as many times as I've done that, 90, 99% of the time, people will let you pray for them. That's been my experience. Has that been yours, Steve? I, literally, Jim, has that been your story? At least 90, 95%, 99% of the time. If you ask somebody, can I pray for you? Most of the time, they'll let you. And if they don't, it's okay. You just, you know what? Be blessed. I'm going to pray for you anyway. No, you don't have to tell them that. <laughs> but you just love on folks. And you're going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy what's going to happen. All right. Bob, would you hand this out? We got a handout just for you. We're going to have three different groups going on that we're starting with off the bat. Okay? We're going to, every, go ahead and hand them out, please, sir. I don't need, actually, I already got one. Here you go. We're going to have a group that's going to meet on Thursday nights from seven to nine that's going to meet at the Malcolms, Bob and Barbara. Everybody knows Bob and Barbara. You're going to meet at their house. Doc, Tuesday night, I'm sorry, I can't read. Tuesday night, from 7 to 9, one of the things we're going to learn to do is how to read. It is Thursday. It's Tuesday, right? Tuesday or Thursday, Bob and Barbara? Thursday night, that's what I said. I said what it doesn't say. Thursday night. And the one in the meeting at Lee's house is what night? Okay, swap those around. We're just trying to see if we can make this complicated. <laughs> all right, we, we all together on this? The one, you might want to take your pen out. What did he say? Do what? Thursday. <laughs> now guess what? All of y'all are going to remember this. See, we did this on purpose, didn't we, Josh? 
<laughs> we did this on purpose so y'all would remember this. <laughs> Let's try this one more time. That's right, we're not loving on the neighbors. Didn't have time to do this right. <laughs> the first group, the Malcolms, Bob and Barbara, raise your hands. Bob and Barbara are hosting. Dr. Josh Young is going to be leading and facilitating. This group will meet on what night? Thursday night. Not Tuesday night, but Thursday night from 7 to 9 o'clock. The Grove Park group is going to meet at the home of the Honorable Lee Best. <laughs> That's not going to be on Thursday night that it says, but it's going to be on what night? Tuesday night. <laughs> That's in Grove Park area. Bob and Barbara live out around Hodges and Beach in that area. Um, Bob Kathy Hoover and Patrick Crenshaw. Where'd he go? He left. <laughs> are going to be leading this group together. And then there's another group that's going to meet on Saturday nights. This is the younger guys. They're going to meet at 7.30 to 9.30 on Sturdy Night. <laughs> sturdy. <laughs> it's strong. That's a prophetic word. This is a Sturdy Night. <laughs> Now that means sturdy night could either be Saturday or it could be Thursday. What we want you to do is pray and see if you can hear God on what night it is. But most of y'all don't fit in because this is for the younger guys and they are already meeting and they'll have it figured out. They're going to meet at 7.30 and TJ and Angela will be hosting and also leading along with the Hoovers. That's the three areas that are where the homes will be at. You guys get to decide which group you want to go to. If you'll notice, this thing actually has these little perforations. (laughs) Boy, this is a tongue-tied group, isn't it? Perforations. Anyway, see how easily those tear off? You can write your name on there. If you don't know tonight, you can wait a week and uh, decide which group you want to go to. And uh, just get these to us so we'll kind of have a You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, please visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org.